Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Threat Intelligence Podcast. My name is Jonas, and once again, I have my good friend Amar with me. Amar, what are you up to? I'm always living the dream, Jonas, living the dream. Everything's going well. That's good to hear. I have some interesting topics today, which I would like to address with you. They are quite interesting to me since I was honestly involved with a lot of them, especially during my earlier days in security, where I was tickering around and having a little bit closer look to into some of them. And to kick things off, we have seen so many attacks against all these home devices, starting with the routers, with the Perimeter. So we have Netgear routers, Linksys, Belkin, and most of these devices, they update their software on a very regular base. But we see out-of-date software all over the place, which leverages attackers from their point of view and attack these devices. Linksys, for example, is a, is a very special one to me because I remember pretty well back then, I wasn't really happy with the default OS. This must be like 12, 12 years ago. And I uploaded um, some open software, which I found on the internet. And obviously, I was not thinking about security at all. All I wanted to have is all those nice and um, cool features. But once again, if you don't think about security from the beginning, it doesn't really take long until someone um, starts hacking you. Yeah, you know, who hasn't actually taken a home router, put in like like something like an open source uh, operating system, like uh, like uh, OpenWRT or something like that, and had some fun actually cranking up their internet connection and playing around with some of the rules and services that are available on all these routers. And what's even more amazing is, you're right, there have been a lot of attacks on a lot of home routers. Luckily, most of the manufacturers, I think they've uh, they've have a really mature patching process, a really mature bug bounty process as well, where they're looking for vulnerabilities and patching them as they as they know about them. Unfortunately, most people at home, they don't know they need to actually log into their home routers because they work, right? When they work, you don't do anything uh, with them. You just assume it's always going to work. So they don't log into them. They don't check what version of firmware they're running, and they don't update them. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that probably, even if they wanted to do that, would not know how to do that at home. Yeah, indeed. And unfortunately, if you track some databases where these vulnerabilities are tracked, you see all kinds of exploits. And the interesting part is these are not very new. I see some of these attacks and exploits being used from 2015, 2016. And I think the awareness part here is, is very critical that people need to be aware that if these vulnerabilities exist, someone from wh wherever he is on this planet with internet connectivity can scan these devices and then just sit in between networks and understand what is someone doing. Especially if you have access on the router, you see basically every single packet flowing through his network. Yeah, don't forget, if you have access to the router, you don't even need to exploit anything. You don't really need to hack anything. What a, what an attacker can do is they can simply change your DNS server. All of a sudden, if they change your DNS server, guess what? Google is whatever the attacker says Google is. it is. You know, CNN or whatever website you as a victim are going to, you're not going to the real website. You're going to whatever attacker says that website is. And that's just one simple example of what attackers can do when they're on your router. Uh, other things they can do, as you said, is they can capture every packet. Um, 
even if they're encrypted packets, right? Uh, not everything's encrypted, but if they're encrypted packets, they can still see header information. They can still kind of get a good baseline of what you're doing and maybe even use some metadata on figuring out and uh, who you are and perhaps using that to steal information from you. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And I was going a little bit maybe too far down the rabbit hole, but I had to look at some of the features of these routers. And what happened often is that out of the box, they provide capabilities of turning on services which have anonymous login, which means the goal from the vendor is to make life as easy as possible for whoever purchases these services. And once attackers have the capability to log in into these devices, all they need to do is they turn on the service and from the internet, it starts sharing your home network services with, with people out there. So for example, there's a FTP client, which is anonymous. So what happens is with your one IP, it enables FTP and it starts sharing it in an anonymous way, which means whoever finds the IP address can start using this IP address and uploading and downloading documents. And more often than not, attackers use these kind of platforms to exchange malicious documents as well, since it's not their own network, so they can use it in an anonymous way, but also hide their tracks and make their life easier because they don't need to find other platforms to host their malware. Yeah, absolutely. There were a few home routers. What happened is when you plugged in a hard drive into the USB port on a home router, all of a sudden it made this file sharing server and uh, it was available all over the internet. Now, luckily, everyone that I came across, it has been fixed. It doesn't do that automatic sharing on the internet anymore. But I remember a couple of years ago, I was just scanning my home IP address and I'm on a, a cable modem. So I'm on a shared network sort of, you know, sort of with all my neighbors essentially. And I found all these open FTP servers and all these open shares open. And uh, it was just, uh, it was just amazing because once I started looking into them, uh, if I found out that a lot of attackers have found them before me and they were using them to host their own files and host other things as well. And of course, people have all their personal documents, uh, all their videos, home movies, uh, pictures of uh, their kids or whatever, whatever may be important to them. And they don't obviously don't want to lose that. And you probably don't want to be sharing that with the outside world. Yeah, it's the same story talking about documents and, and files. There's also vulnerabilities in a lot of popular network attached storage devices, uh, namely uh, Synology, which I'm a big fan and I'm using Synology since, I don't know, even almost 10 years now. And uh, I, whenever I check my systems, I see that they're updating their uh, patches and allow me to update them with new software. And usually I try to have a quick look about what's actually the, the patch notes. And it's almost always something with security in there. So I went through our stats from 40 Guard Labs and I saw a lot of Synology attacks where with older versions, there's the arbitrary file upload possibility, which means even without logging credentials, you can upload files. And as we all know, this is a very common technique in offensive security that you upload a malicious file, which then calls you back on whatever machine you are. Besides the NAS, we also have the cameras. And again, I feel a little bit guilty because I have these cameras uh, at home as well to check what's going on. And unfortunately here as well, sometimes uh, wrong configuration, so misconfiguration this part, uh, allows a lot uh, anonymous people to, to view it and then um, enables remote code execution capabilities here. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a camera is a good example. If you log into your camera app and you get your picture, you can see what's on the camera. You're not really going to bother with checking much more. It's working the way you expect it to work. Um, and attackers know this. So when they get into a camera and start using it as a bot for a botnet, or if they start doing crypto mining, or if they run some other attack on it, you're not going to really know because when a camera slows down, as long as you can see the picture and everything's moving fine on a security camera, you know, you're not really going to notice a difference. And the same thing happens now with not only home routers, as you said, on cameras, on um, on NAS's network access storage, on home media devices, especially with home media devices now having very powerful processors for 4K video processing, also means there are great devices for attackers to use and to run scripts, to be part of botnets, to do crypto mining, and a lot of other things going on. Definitely. T talking about botnets, there's a, a big one which we have seen the last couple of weeks as well, which is called FinSpy, or um, which is, is used for or FinFisher also called, uh, which is um, which is a legally sold uh, software to governments around the world for uh, for law enforcement purposes. Uh, it runs on Android, iOS, Windows, macOS, Linux, so on all the platforms you can imagine, and it has capabilities of. Uh, tracking webcams, recording microphones, keyboard strokes, intercepting calls, exfiltrated data. So a lot of powerful tools to gather data in a way where we have seen it at home devices as well, but also on a way bigger scale. And to me, this is like the, the generic topic which we sometimes have with all these offensive security tools is that it's a double-edged sword. And it's the same techniques from the good guys and the bad guys for... In, in the end, it depends heavily on your motivation, how you use these tools. Yeah, you know, every once in a while you hear about a political debate, you know, should, you know, should we be making tools for, uh, you know, legitimate uses such as backdoors or, uh, you, you know, uh, or, you know, some sort of uh, investigation software. And it's always a dangerous game because any vulnerability you, you introduce into a system, that vulnerability could potentially be found by someone else and be exploited by someone else. And we're seeing that in malware over and over again when, when there was management capabilities or uh, investigative capabilities built into a platform that was intended for a very good use, a very legitimate use, and now it's being found and exploited by attackers. Yeah, it's, it's a good point about the visibility part. Uh, I've been recently doing in, in a lot of presentations some, some demos and in using Shodan scans, and uh, one question which always comes up is the question, why are governments not blocking these kind of websites? And this is like the thing, attackers, they are aware about all these things and we can use them for our advantage to learn more about the awareness part, to educate people. And the bad guys, they don't really need these kind of databases to, to gather their information because they have other tools available for them. But I think that's the critical point that we should not try to hide these things, but better make sure we have a overall better security. Yeah, and there's nothing really for the government to block in those scenarios. Like you're talking about, you know, you're talking about services that index open ports. So if you have a web server, it's an open web server. It's it's meant to be publicly accessible. So if you block that, you're essentially blocking someone's public web server. And uh, unless you want to get into the business, and I don't think most people want to get into the business of actually censorship or going to every single website and looking at their content, that that gets a little little hair and it's a, it's a rabbit hole. I don't think we should go down here, but, but it's really interesting to see what type of services uh, that are out there that attackers will start manipulating for 
malicious purposes. Uh, and they can even do that simply from an Nmap scan from their own box, scanning the internet. Yeah, it's probably not as efficient as some other ways of doing it, but there's a lot of ways to get around, uh, getting around to seeing what's just open. Definitely. It seems like there's a lot of uh, spyware, um, spyware going things uh, right now. Yeah, exactly. I always tell my my customers, like, are you doing the same scans that you think attackers would? Are you going to Shodan and looking at your own IP addresses? Are you scanning from the outside to see what vulnerabilities exist? Hopefully they are, Hopefully, or hopefully they have an idea of where they need to get to if they're not. And uh, it's a good way to start is think like an attacker on how an attacker would get into your own system and test and protect against that as well. Indeed. Besides sp spyware, there's also something else we've been talking a lot recently. And unfortunately, the last couple of days, there was a big news about the ransomware attack in Germany, where actually the uh, allegedly the first patient died because of a ransomware attack. Do you have some more information on that? You know, I've always wondered when we would reach this critical moment when we hear about all these hospitals, all these critical services, even um, elderly care homes, uh, you know, being attacked by ransomware, even police departments being attacked by ransomware. You know, once you're taking those services away where people can't do their job and their primary job is to protect and serve, essentially, it, it creates a dangerous situation. In this case, what happened, and just to be clear, is the ransomware didn't didn't kill anyone. What what happened was ransomware came into a hospital. The hospital systems were, you know, degraded to the point where someone thought that you know we should transfer patients, and one of the patients, uh, you know, wasn't healthy enough to be transferred. Unfortunately, they they passed away. We don't know. We don't have enough information on what would have happened if they would have stayed. Maybe, maybe that person. We don't know no information about their health, and rightfully. Rightfully so, we need to protect that kind of information. But it is interesting to see that that hospital was attacked. They took a action based on that attack, and that action did have a consequence. And I, and I think we need to be aware of that because now we're getting into serious crimes, not only cyber crimes, but serious crimes uh, where where uh, you know affects a lot of people. Yeah, allegedly these attackers they didn't target the hospital directly. They targeted the university, which was close and had uh, an overlap with IP addresses in the past. So apparently, to some sources, it wasn't a targeted attack against the hospital. But since hospitals run often old softwares which are out of date, they are get caught in the in the crossfire, of course. And I think this is a It's it's very a, a sad story because just because someone uh, wasn't able to get any treatment and needed to be transferred to another hospital since they just did not have the capability to access their infrastructure, um, time was too uh, there was too much time passing and uh, unfortunately a patient was dying. So um, yeah, the things are changing definitely and attackers are not holding back whether your victims are hospitals or universities. And um, it, it's, I think it's a good example that it shows that no matter who you are uh, these days, everyone who connects anything to the internet is a primer target and will be attacked at one point. Yeah, I think I think it's the point where escalation has happened now, right? So we've treated ransomware, especially ransomware in healthcare or ransomware in in public services, in a different way than I think that we will in the future now. Because all of a sudden the attackers have escalated their game, and I think the response now 
may be escalated as well. So I think we're entering a new era, uh, era I'm sorry, of, uh, of uh, how we're going to respond to these type of attacks. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's going to raise awareness, especially, especially in the public, especially in law enforcement and other places as well on how to respond and deal with these type of attacks and maybe even uh, respond to some of the things they may need to do uh, before they get attacked, uh, you know, some, uh, some due diligence that they may need to do. Yes, very well said. With with that being said, I covered almost all the topics I thought about for today. Do you have anything else you want to bring up today? Man, I think we talked a lot today about some very interesting topics, so I cannot wait until next time. Me too. With that being said, thank you guys for listening in and hear you soon.